Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power the collaboration needed for teams to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or two million, Atlassian software is built to help keep you connected and moving together as one. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Support for Prop G comes from Anthropic. Incorporating AI into your business can be a delicate balance between speed and intelligence. That's why you might want to consider the Claude 3 family models from Anthropic for your enterprise AI. Haiku is their light and fast model. Opus is their most powerful model capable of high-order thinking, and Sonnet is the best combination of both speed and intelligence. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Welcome back to another episode of the Prop G Pod. I'm living it up on vacation in Bangkok with my son, so sit back and enjoy part two of our 2023 predictions live stream. The tech of the year in 2023 is going to be AI. It's going to be the headline everywhere. It's going to result in a certain amount of euphoria and hysteria that takes AI-related companies and stocks, makes them skyrocket. Uh, but an interesting way to look at the sustainability of a technology is through peer-reviewed research or academic articles. And my argument here is that sustained release of peer-reviewed research results in a more sustainable technology. Now, why is that? If you look at what happened around crypto or the metaverse, it was massive academic articles. Everyone gets excited. But the thing about peer review, if you look back, what's more sustainable is when it's peer-reviewed, you're teaching each other. You're writing an article on AI, and then your colleagues from Carnegie Mellon, MIT, and SMU are also reading and learning, and it's informing their work. So a slow, steady build of peer-reviewed research creates a more enduring foundation, a more enduring technology. And that's what we have versus crypto and metaverse, which were sort of mania, where I don't think there was a lot of collective learning or progress. That's what we have in AI. It's been a sustained build that has resulted in what I believe is a more enduring technology where the performance is actually going to catch up to the promise in 2023. We're seeing it in terms of increases in funding. Uh, the U.S. dominates with China, not too far behind, but, but behind. And we're starting to see real use, real world applications of AI. Uh, especially in the medical field. It's very exciting. This is a 3D rendering or a 2D rendering of a protein. Uh, one of the means or challenges of attacking uh, certain diseases is it's hard to estimate or hard to figure out a way to attack the right uh, parts of a protein. So you have to model it. And for the first time, we can now model about 60% of proteins. Uh, and we're every year or every, every, every month, we're making more and more progress. It's actually a very exciting time to be in medicine. Uh, I think there's going to be huge pressure on the legal community. You can type in draft commercial lease for South Carolina-based property with a two-year term and one-year extension, and boom, AI can start um, writing it for you. 
and make you an editor as opposed to someone who actually has to draft it. I'm on the I'm an investor in a company called Neva, which started as a subscription uh, search company and has pivoted to being AI search. Because one of the dangers of AI is that I think people will trust it too much and it gets it wrong a lot. So having an AI layer that summarizes other websites or referenceable sources, I think is a more enduring function. I think we're going to see a lot of conspiracy theory and weirdness come out of AI when we trust some programmer to come up with fuzzy logic that's better than our own. Anyways... Uh, so we have uh, also, I think, some industries that will come under pressure. I can't imagine that the images industry or whatever you want to call it, clip art, Getty, aren't going to come under huge pressure here when you're going to be able to generate these images, original images, uh, for near zero cost that will uh, almost replicate or get 80% of the aesthetic quality of traditional images that people are paying for. I've said this a few years, but I do think this is the year we've hit peak personal genius. And that is we've decided that innovators are no longer our Jesus Christ. Okay, that's 19, that's the Pesh Mode's 1989 Personal Jesus. Has almost nothing to do with personal genius, but I just wanted an excuse to play that video. We don't have a choice as a species, whether we worship. When Cro-Magnon Man, we would find a rock and decide to worship it. Chimpanzees will start worshiping objects. We worship gods, the sun, celestial objects, then people, and now we have decided to worship uh, tech innovators. It's dangerous. It means that people can put themselves in a position to turn off and on battlefield technology or treat people coarsely or have influence over our elections or weaponize platforms and not be held accountable for teen depression because we've decided there are new Jesus Christ. There's no religion that's ever rivaled technology in terms of the amount of influence and power it has. And the heads of these technology companies are again, our new idols. Uh, the most recent is obviously SBF. I mean, for God's sakes, there were red flags everywhere, incorporating in the Bahamas, not having a board, not having audited financials, deciding that he was above showering. But what do you know, people love an innovator, right? He, I don't understand what he does, but he's from MIT and I see the word billions next to his name. He must be an awesome guy that we can trust. One out of three years, time decides that it's person of the year is the wealthiest person in technology. They don't pick the wealthiest person in manufacturing or pharmaceuticals. We've decided that our new tech lords are in fact our overlords. The FTX Foundation's recent announcement to give up to $1 billion this year alone to high-impact charities show how Sam is transforming corporate governance and becoming the modern-day CEO that FTX embodies and that the world needs. By the way, Sam, this is exactly what prison will be like. Exactly. 100%. This is a good preview of prison. Uh, all right, so I'm not going to spend much time on this. You've doubled your membership, nearly doubled, and expanded to over 30 cities. So first of all, thank you for having me again, yeah. and uh, happy International Women's Day. Oh, thank I you. know it's yesterday, but we take <laughs> it very seriously. That's we work. for you, yeah. We take it seriously. 47% of our workforce today are women, and we've made a commitment that by the end of this year, we'll go north of 50%. Good for you. Yeah. And they include engineers, construction managers, builders, and everything. Oh, Adam. Okay. Sequoia Capital, love letters. You know, SBF is supposedly this new generation of leaders that we want to back, despite the fact there's no audited financials. Um, the, we do extensive research and thorough diligence on every investment we make. Really, Sequoia? Really? Okay. 
I cannot get over the jujitsu move that the crypto Taliban, the evangelists for crypto and VCs are trying to pull off around what has happened in crypto. Somehow this is a statement of how important crypto is and it's just capitalism 2.0. Then it wasn't a fraud and Carnival Barker selling total shit on a stick. This somehow was chicken shit turning into chicken salad. And that it was the media and politicians' fault that they were protecting Sam Bank, Bankman-Fried, that they were the ones that were calling for some sort of regulation. This is just such extraordinary bullshit that somehow it's a, it's a conspiracy of the deep state or Gary Gensler. This has been the tech community and VC community and crypto Taliban's view of regulation and government for the last 10 years. You know, government should, I think, just try to get out of the way and, and not uh, impede progress. Yeah, government should get out of the way. Government should get out of the way, except when you're giving me hundreds of millions of dollars in subsidies. You're idiots. We need to let these innovators fly and run. Oh, wait, billions have gone missing. Where were the regulators? It's the venture capital community combined with this idolatry of innovators that has protected total fraud and resulted in an absolute destruction in billions of dollars of retail investors' capital. But somehow uh, the media or politicians were protecting them. What extraordinary bullshit. Next year, we will see uh, people in orange jumpsuits. Unlike, in contrast to the subprime crisis that had a real dent on the economy, but no one went to jail, the crypto meltdown will not result in a large impact to the economy. The entire crypto market now is worth $700 billion, at least the token market. Uh, Amazon has shed more than that in the last 12 months. So it won't have much of an impact on the economy, but you are going to see people go to jail. I still think it continues. This is Kathy Wood and her latest price target for, for Bitcoin. Why do you trust crypto at this point? Yes, if you look at uh, the the blockchains, let, let's use uh, uh, bit, the Bitcoin blockchain and Ethereum, what you'll find is they have the infrastructure, the technology has not skipped a beat uh, throughout this entire crisis. In fact, the hash rate, uh, Bitcoin's hash rate is at an all-time high, and that is a real indication of the security of the network. Okay, so how do you con people? Talk about something that's exciting, that gives them a sense of FOMO. Other people have made money, extraordinary amounts of money in adjacent related categories, and throw words at them that you pretend to understand, thinking they won't understand it, which means you're a genius and you should believe anything they're, say they're saying. Hash rate, hash rate, hash rate is computing intensity. I think what she's trying to say is it the computing around, or the computing intensity or efficiency around Bitcoin has gotten better? Okay, let's take that at face value. But that's like saying emission standards and miles per gallon have gotten better. So General Motors valuation will go up 60X in the next seven years. This makes no fucking sense. It is irresponsible with someone who is a fiduciary for other people's money to be making these sorts of nonsensical head up your ass types of projections that have absolutely no underpinnings in reality or fundamentals to try and convince you to send in money. Despite the fact that ARK has underperformed the S&P for the last five years, it continues to get inflows because we all want to find someone to worship 
who uses terms like hash rate to make us believe that they know something we don't. No, what they know that we don't is that they're full of shit. And if they use a lot of flowery techno babble, that they will continue to get rich and transfer money using vehicles like ARC or SPACs or tokens to transfer wealth from retail investors to their pockets, full stop. Bitcoin at a million dollars in 2030. Set your calendars. Streaming is going to consolidate. Uh, Netflix was uh, had the market to itself. It registered enormous games as the rest of traditional media was in denial or couldn't get its act together because of conflicts. Basically, Netflix had no competition for the better part of a decade. Then everyone, then their mother stepped in and with inc increased competition, the stock went down 72%. It's now down 57% peak to trough, but you're seeing basically competition as in most sectors play out here. Uh, it used to have a 71% market share. It's declined to 46%. And we ha now have too many choices in streaming. And we're just going to see a consolidation and cost reduction. We're going to see the majority of these streamers either flatline or reduce their content spending. There's just these aren't sustainable uh, business models. I apologize. I've got to go faster. Warner Brothers Discovery is going to attract an activist. They overpaid. This is now one of the worst acquisitions in history. And it's because the equity is so limited now and because it has a single class share of stock, unlike most media companies, it'll attract a shark. You fucking used me. Well, you walked around blind on a cane, pal. Fooling his money, I'd like you have to get together in the first place. But why do you need to wreck this company? Because it's wreckable, all right? Warner Brothers Discovery. I don't think an activist is going to make money here, but someone's going to come in because activists generally have large egos. And more than anything, the company is wreckable, meaning it's the only company with these assets that has a single class share of stock that someone could come in and start causing trouble. So it will attract an activist in 2023. HBO, I just did nod. HBO is a best case, uh, one of the best case studies in culture. For every $50 million, they get an enemy. It costs an Emmy. Uh, it takes Netflix dramatically more and takes Apple TV almost four times the amount of money to get the same quality content. Tesla will post record revenue and deliveries in 2023, and the stock will get cut in half. The definition of intelligence, the ability to maintain two thoughts in your mind at the same time. It's a great company. It's a great product. It will continue to set delivery records. The stock will get cut in half. Full disclosure, I said the stock was going to cut in half when it was about 80% lower than it is, so I've been wrong on Tesla. This just makes no sense, its current valuation. I think uh, Elon Musk is turning into a Charles Lindbergh-like figure, uh, deserved, warranted accolades for his incredible vision and genius. Uh, but I think he's lost the script. I don't know what is going on with him. I'm not a psychotherapist. I don't especially care. He's turned into just an enormous asshole, and I think it's going to cost him. Uh, the guy, if the series plays long enough, the hero becomes the villain, and we're in the last half of this series. Uh, his behavior has been ridiculous and his name is associated and his characteristics and activities are strongly associated with the brand, just as Air Jordans and Tom Ford are strongly associated with an individual. Look what's happened to this brand. This is according to the information. This is the net favorability brand. What's effectively happened here is the Twitter virus has jumped out of the lab and has infected Tesla. And everyone's talking about Musk losing $45 billion on the Twitter acquisition. The real destruction of value will be registered at the hand of Tesla shareholders because of the perversion or the impact the Tesla brand will register because of Elon Musk's reckless behavior. Again, record deliveries, record revenues. 
but the market share is similar to Netflix. Netflix is the perfect analogy. If Reed Hastings was an enormous asshole, which he is not, Netflix would be the metaphor for what is about to happen to Tesla and that Netflix had open running room for a good decade, competition came in, margins got compressed, stock down 75%. Same thing's happening at Tesla, except layer on top of that, an enormous asshole. Uh, We have competitors for the first time at Tesla. There used to be 18 EV models just a year ago, now there's 32. Tesla down more than 50% in 2023 at the hands of fundamentals and increased compensation. I think it's been a great year for the US and I think we're slowly but surely reasserting our dominance. Um, We uh, don't like ourselves, we're mad at each other. But my question is, where would you rather be? Our stock market is as good or better than anyone else's. Our inflation and GDP growth is as good or better than any nation's or less bad, if you will. Um, We have job growth that is the envy of the world, 20% unemployment rate among Chinese men, 18 to 24. Uh, We're energy independent, we're food independent, and uh, we uh, produce the most important product of the last 50 years. The most important product was in the microprocessor or the iPhone. It was the vaccines, and no one's lining up for Chinese or Russian vaccines. And also, we're in an FDR-like move or Lend-Lease move. We're supporting our allies overseas at huge Uh, registering huge success. This is just an inspiring time to be part of the West. Europe is finally a union. NATO is out of its brain coma. And we are fighting and winning a proxy war without putting our own troops on the ground. It strikes me that uh, the current president, who I was not a fan of, doesn't get anything less than a standing ovation for uh, the needles he's been able to thread geopolitically and domestically. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So let's summarize. 2023 is a Patagonia best recession accelerates. The ad ecosystem faces incredible chaos 
despite the fact of slowing revenue growth, Amazon, Apple, and Meta have their most profitable year as they take cues from Twitter and start laying off people. Consolidation of the the subscale, the best performing stocks will be Airbnb, Meta, and Chinese internet, uh, internet stocks. Disney, outside shot, they acquire Roblox. The tech of the year for 2023 will be AI. The streaming business consolidates. We've hit peak personal genius. We're going to see a lot of formal Jesus Christ wearing orange jumpsuits. Tesla posts record revenues and deliveries, and its stock is cut in half at least. And the U.S. reasserts its hegemony and dominance uh, in the world. Okay, silver linings. Uh, I'm inspired by someone who is uh, the founder or the co-founder of Amazon, uh, and this is Mackenzie Bezos. You probably didn't know she'd given money all these things. She doesn't do press releases. She doesn't give $3 million to the to the, uh, the Civil Liberties Union, uh, I'm blanking, and then put out a press release to try and get a lot of attention such that she can try and repair her image, see above Sheryl Sandberg. Mackenzie Scott really is about giving. I'm uh, involved with a charity called the Jed Foundation. We got an email, been following your work, here's $15 million. I think it really gets us back to the notion of what real giving means. And I think she's an inspiration. And I think there's more people like this all over the world uh, emerging. People deciding to give money to Ukrainians using technology, booking nights on Airbnb. I think that is inspiring and very creative. Progress in Congress around infrastructure. We're probably going to reduce our carbon footprint by 40% by the end of the decade. I didn't even know that was possible. Democracy is holding peaceful transfer of power in Brazil, the largest democracy in Latin America. Uh, The president's endorsement resulted in a decline of 2.3%. My last ask, and this is basically the last slide, what can you do for your country, not what can your country do for you? I asked both my sons to do this, and that is to reach out to someone and try and establish a friendship. One in seven men in America do not have a single friend. Uh, A mix of COVID, a mix of remote work, not going to the mall, not going to the movies, political polarization. Uh, We don't have friends. Take for a moment, imagine all the value and reward you have received from friends your entire life. Like try and try and register that for a moment. There's a large, there are tens of millions of people in the United States that don't have that. So my ask is what I asked of my sons. Reach out to a stranger and try and establish a new friendship. It is the easiest, it is the easiest, most guaranteed. 100% ROI, because not only is there a good chance you're going to get reward from it, but if you reach out to someone who, for whatever reason, might be isolated, it, it adds immense value to them. This is a crisis of loneliness. Uh, being lonely is the equivalent of smoking 17 cigarettes a day. So 30 to 50 million people in the last 24 months have started smoking a pack a day. Coming up after the break, you'll hear from a range of blue flame thinkers that we called upon to deliver their prediction for the year ahead. These predictions cover cities, healthcares, what might play out between the US and China, the financial markets, and more. Hi, this is Dambisa Moyo. I'm an economist and a board member, and I'm the co-principal of Versica Investments. My predictions for 2023 are threefold. Number one, the global economy will continue to slow down 
And I do believe that both developed and developing economies will continue to struggle to reach the 3% per year growth rate, which is necessary to double per capita incomes in one generation. Number two, I do believe that inflation will remain sticky, in particular in the United States, despite all the efforts of hiking and aggressive uh, rate hikes that we've seen in the last several months. I believe that we will not be able to get to the 2% Fed target as it was before the the, recent spate of problems. And then number three, I do believe that we'll continue to see a widening of ideological and uh, political as well as economic splits between the West, led by the United States, and China. This means deglobalization will continue in terms of trade capital flows, immigration, as well as the splinternet and multilateralism. Those are my predictions for 2023 and beyond. I'm Richard Florida, a professor at the University of Toronto, and I co-founded CityLab, which is the major digital media site devoted to cities and urbanism. My prediction for 2023 is the comeback, the roaring comeback of the superstar city like New York and London, as a new kind of city. That is, of course, a physical agglomeration, but also a digital and virtual agglomeration. I've been working with a group of consultants at Boston Consulting Groups, BCG's Future of Cities Institute. We've been charting the rise of this new kind of city we call a meta-city, a city which has a physical footprint and a digital footprint, where the housing market and the labor market have become unbundled, where you no longer have to live next door to where you work. Economic geographers have a phrase, have a construct that is so useful to help us understand this new kind of urban life. They call it a spatial division of labor. Well, that spatial division of labor is now expanded. But here's a mistake people often make. People see cities grow. They extensify. They expand their boundaries outward with the rise of new transportation technologies, whether that's the cable car or the subway or the train or the automobile. They suburbanize. But alongside this outward expansion, this extensification, as the economy grows, the biggest cities also intensify. So I see the rise of not only a comeback, of New York and London in 2023, but the rise of a new kind of city, the meta-city, a galaxy or solar system which revolves around those great hubs, but whose physical and virtual footprint and networks and communities extend far beyond them. Uh, My name is Dr. Abdul El-Sayed. I'm a physician, epidemiologist, and host of uh, Crooked Media's America Dissected podcast. Uh, My 2023 prediction is that Uh, we are going to see a a really challenging economic moment. And whenever that happens, it tends to hit people deeply when it comes to healthcare. Folks lose jobs, and with their jobs in our employer-sponsored-based healthcare system, they lose their health insurance. And I think given the nature of the midterms, we're not in a position to really do much about it with split control of Congress. But it is going to remind us that, in fact, healthcare Uh, remains one of the most dominant, most challenging issues uh, in American society as yet. The other aspect of the healthcare industry that folks ought to watch uh, is what happens in the private equity space. You're starting to see private equity uh, invest in and roll up 
everything from specialty practices to primary care practices to even whole hospitals. And when you have that kind of consolidation in the healthcare system, what tends to happen is those services in lower income communities, as they get rolled up, tend to get lopped off. And so you see uh, hospital and clinic closures in low-income rural communities and low-income urban communities. And I think with the economic downturn, uh, the the flood of capital into potentially lucrative spaces uh, out of places like tech, you're going to start seeing a lot more investment in healthcare, and that could spell doom for a lot of people who rely on these kinds of services uh, to get their basic care. And so I worry a lot about what 2023 holds for everyday folk when it comes to access to basic healthcare. I'm Margaret O'Mara professor of history at the University of Washington. And my prediction for 2023 is that Silicon Valley is going to have a very different year than 2022. Big tech layoffs, social media meltdowns, market downturns rather than everything going up and to the right. And also, thanks to legislation passed in 2022, there's going to be new federal money coming in to change the direction of the market. The Chips and Science Act, putting lots of money into semiconductor R&D, not just for the typical tech hubs, but also in other parts of the country. And the Inflation Reduction Act, which also is going to juice the green energy market. And as the federal government has done many times before, put its thumb on the scale of economic development and encourage the market to go in new directions. There are going to be some tough times ahead. But the thing about downturns or resets is that it puts more oxygen into the atmosphere. There's a lot of things that are born out of downturns, many great companies and great inventions. So I'm going to be looking to see what's coming and rising up from what's lost. Hello, hello. This is Baratunde Thurston, a founding partner and writer at Puck, host of the PBS series America Outdoors, and podcast creator for How to Citizen with Baratunde. Good to be here predicting for Galloway's galactic universe of awesome. No one calls it that. No one should. My prediction, no one else will refer to you or your podcast in such a way, sir. All right, here's my 2023. I think the evolution uh, of our relationship with tech and in particular social media will continue to push us away from centralized platforms to more local instances, if you will. Basically, the age of mass social media is coming to a close. We see it with the desperate failure of Meta to try to become something that no one wants. We see it with the chaos over at Twitter. And we're going to find more people looking to build communities that are more niche. They're built on interest. They're built on uh, geographic proximity or existing affiliations and organizations. Basically, the idea of a global town square will feel incredibly outdated. Uh, This is because people want real connectivity. We know what it's like to be trapped just on our screens with people we don't have a real relationship with, and we don't want that. Some might say that kind of life leads us adrift. Oh, look at the plug, homie. Look what I did for you. Also, it's driven by this lack of trust in big tech, the need for control of our data cells, and the chaos Uncle Elon has unleashed over at Twitter. We are entering an extraordinary period of experimentation again, and I think that's a good thing. Long live social media. Let social media die all at the same time. Appreciate being here. Lizanne Saunders, Chief Investment Strategist of Charles Schwab. So a new trend appears to have formed, and I think it's going to persist in 2023 and maybe even get more legs, which is 
equal weight outperforming uh, cap weight, perhaps not just for the S&P, but other cap weighted indexes as well. And I think this is in keeping with the market shifting its leadership profile from what has been mega cap tech and tech oriented type leadership to basically the average stock. And it could mean the Dow as a price weighted index continues to shine relative to other cap weighted indexes. I think one of the the primary macro drivers is the return after quite some time of an actual risk-free rate, uh, courtesy of what the Fed has been doing. And that is in the process of reconnecting fundamentals to pricing. And if, if I'm right, I think there's notable benefits to taking an equal weight approach. You get diversification benefit. Valpa provides in terms of reduced concentration risk. In fact, the a natural outcome of equal weight having uh, you know, better profile and likely to outperform is that concentration levels, especially in an index like the S&P, have been coming down. I think it's also supportive of active management now competing on a more level playing field with passive. And I expect actively managed equity funds to expand their assets over the next year. Well, hello, everybody. Um, my name is Hayden Clarkin. I go by the transit guy on Twitter. One of the first predictions I have is that public transit will slowly work to change who it serves. People want to ride transit, but the new work landscape means that conventional nine to five service schedule isn't as important. And so transit agencies will have to work on beginning to implement all day frequent service, third shift service, overnight service, um, rather than at peak hours. Um, and with respect to transportation, I think uh, my first prediction is e-bikes will be king. Um, there were 880,000 bikes uh, e-bikes purchased in 2021 and 450,000 in 2020. And that was more than electric vehicles last year. My name is Tanya Evans. I am an intellectual property and technology lawyer. I'm a professor at Penn State Dickinson Law School a co-hire at the Penn State Institute for Computational and Data Sciences, the founder of Advantage Evans Academy, and host of the Tech Intersect podcast. So my predictions for crypto, NFTs, and IP, as regulatory arbitrage really encourages offshore exchanges, keeps a lot of business offshores. There's uh, certainly technological measures like VPNs to circumvent access limits. So it will require a coordinated effort at the international level because this technology is global. I also think that the focus of NFT standards will move beyond merely a focus on creativity and collectibles and gaming to other valuable uses like identity. And finally, with respect to intellectual property, we'll continue to see patents and trademarks in this space, but a really interesting topic and one to look out for in the IP or at least IP adjacent arena uh, is all of the conversation and, and quite frankly, disagreement among IP lawyers about whether new web free crypto domain names like ENS um, would cause concerns and problems with the internet's domain name service and the connection between domain names and trademarks as well. This is Richard Kramer from Arate Research. So my first prediction is that the tech bear market is not over. My second prediction is related to that, and that is that this will mean there's a lot of cuts to come across the tech markets. 
what we're seeing right now is just the tipping point of companies that hired, whether it be a thousand or tens of thousands in the case of some of the big tech companies of new staff in the last seven quarters, realizing that the revenue they projected, the projects that they had on the drawing board, all of this may never come to fruition and they will have to reverse those changes very painfully over the next year. Our producers are Caroline Chagrin, Claire Miller, and Drew Burrow. Special thanks to Mia Silverio for all her work on our 2023 predictions presentation and to our guest predictors. If you like what you heard, please follow, download, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to the Prof G Pod from the Vox Media Podcast Network. We will catch you next week.